Grace, mercy, and peace be yours from God our Father, through His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The Word of God that calls for our attention this morning comes to us from the Gospel reading from Mark chapter 9, verses 5 and 8. And Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you, and one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And suddenly, looking around, they no longer saw anyone with them, but Jesus only. So far, our text. The greatest strengths and biggest obstacles of Christianity are its singularities. We confess some of them in the Nicene Creed. I believe in one God, one Lord Jesus Christ, one holy Catholic and apostolic church, one baptism for the remission of sins. St. Paul speaks more about it to the Ephesians. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. So Peter relearns a great lesson with his foot and mouth question on the mountain. There is only one tabernacle, and he was standing in front of them. The scriptures had only one purpose, point to Jesus. Jesus had already told the Jewish authorities, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, and it is they that bear witness about me. Moses and Elijah appear to Peter, James, and John to reveal this to them. They represent the entirety of the Old Testament scriptures, commonly called the Law and the Prophets. As we have gone through this epiphany season, we have seen this pointing to Jesus. He is the prophet like Moses to whom we must listen, who was on the move to tell all creation the good news of the gospel, the kingdom of God, the ultimate good that came out of Nazareth who seeks us to repent and believe his gospel, the gospel that causes our soul to magnify the Lord. Moses and Elijah and all the rest of God's faithful prophets spoke God's word as it was revealed to them. Their witness had a twofold purpose. It was to warn their own generation, a warning they usually didn't heed. It was written down to strengthen the faith of future generations, especially our generation. We who live in the last days, the end times where we await in hope Jesus' second coming to judge the living and the dead. As Jesus is transfigured on the mountain, the two most hallowed men of the Old Testament appear beside him. They show that each of their own ministries was truly part of the one ministry of the gospel. Moses' law shows us just how fruitless and vain it is to try to win righteousness before God by our own works. It doesn't happen. We continue to be crushed by our constant falling short of God's glory. The prophets proclaimed the great promise given to our first parents. I will put enmity between the serpent and Eve, and between his offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise the serpent's head, and the serpent shall bruise his heel. Moses' law prepared the people to receive the gospel through Moses and the prophets in the scriptures. Now these things happened to them as an example, but they were written down for our instruction on whom the end of the ages has come. As St. Paul writes these words to the Corinthians, he firmly believes that he will see Jesus' return in his lifetime. He lives his entire life in this belief. He travels throughout the world, suffering persecution and imprisonment because of this belief. The time was short. Jesus had come and was coming again. Since we have such a hope, we are very bold. Paul was bold because of the empowerment 
of the gospel. The joyous light of glory of the immortal Father. The light that comes through the word that enlightens our path through the darkness of this world. But the word can only come for salvation when it has been properly prepared. Out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, God shines forth. But this shining only happens after a devouring fire and a mighty tempest. The law batters and destroys everything that we prop up. Everything from our genealogy to our love for others to our great orthodoxy. Everything we prop up as something God should be proud of is destroyed and burned. He leaves our lives leveled to the ground and seeks to build it back up for us. When I attended seminary, there was a first year class in systematic theology called Lutheran Mind. We laughingly called it the bulldozer class. The class's sole purpose was to take these bright Lutheran seminarians and knock them down to a point where they questioned their own Christianity. By placing everyone on the same level foundation of Scripture, they could begin the process of building the students back up so they didn't wander off into Baptist or Reformed or Roman ways of thinking. They sought to build the foundation for study and proclamation through the confessions. Taking the witnesses of the Bible and the confessions to bring us into a place where we should be more united in our teaching and practice. How well that worked can be debated, but the intention was clear and biblical. There is only one foundation to build on, just as there was only one tabernacle for refuge. Filled with wonder and not knowing what to say, Peter desired to build three tabernacles, one for each of the great men on the mountaintop. Like most of us, he wanted to keep all three separate from each other. Christians still do that today as they talk about Jesus being a new Moses, a new lawgiver. Not only that he fulfilled the law, but he gave a new law, the law of the gospel, through the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus didn't give a new law. He fulfilled the law as he embodied the scriptures in his flesh. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and tabernacled among us. And we have seen His glory. Glory as of the only Son of the Father, full of grace and truth. John witnesses to Jesus' transfiguration as part of His glory. In the moment, Peter wanted to build three tabernacles. The cloud came down and enveloped everyone. Inside the cloud, he heard the Father's voice. This is my beloved Son. Listen to him. When the cloud rose, there was only Jesus. Jesus is the one and only tabernacle because God instituted only one tabernacle, the tent that stood in the middle of Israel's camp in the wilderness, the tent where God would have his glory dwell among his people, where they could see his presence among them because the tabernacle was a shadow of the word made flesh the fulfillment of every promise God had given to his people, the witness that salvation had come. Peter, James, and John needed to have the personal witness to Jesus' glory, to see that their Lord was truly full of grace and truth. Jesus shone with unborrowed light, the glory that he had from before the foundation of the world. These three were given this revelation on top of the mountain to give it to us. It was not only for them, it was for all generations, but especially for us in the last days. St. Peter would go on to say, Jesus was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times 
for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God. Jesus charged them to tell no one what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. When Jesus rose from the dead, the last days began. The end of the world was coming because the time had been fulfilled. Everything was finished. Salvation had come to earth. These three, as well as all the apostles, would be sent out as witnesses to to salvation through Jesus Christ to the whole world. That everyone might know this great good news. The good news of God in the flesh for the salvation of all mankind. Peter, James, and John were charged to tell no one what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. But Jesus has risen from the dead. It is now time to witness to God's glory being shown in Christ. His majesty that enlightens our darkness as it shines through us. He shines in because He lives inside us. He has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. Peter, James, and John witnessed to His majesty after the resurrection. You have it in your Bible. You have it in your baptism. You are a temple of the Holy Spirit. His tabernacle, His witness to your friends and family, to everyone who God brings into your life. You have received a double portion of Jesus' Spirit, which is much greater than Elijah's Spirit. Elijah's Spirit speaks of salvation to come. Jesus' Spirit speaks of salvation already here. Elijah speaks of what might be. Jesus speaks about what is. The Holy Spirit inside you cries out to be shared with others. Out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, God shines forth. Through your baptism, Zion is within you. Zion is where God makes His name dwell. In baptism, God makes His name dwell in you. So Zion is in you. Salvation is yours because of the one and only tabernacle, Jesus Christ, whose glory shone forth on the mountain, whose glory shines forth from you, seeking to be expressed. Jesus has risen from the dead. Tell everyone about it, for the time is shorter yet. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.